This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. Uh, I've been very welcomed. Uh, started with the geese welcoming me when I got here this morning. Uh, and everyone else has been wonderful. Olivia came back and introduced herself to me. And uh, it's just been a, a warm reception here today. And I'm glad to be here. Uh, as Joel said, we are one of the missions that you support. Uh, and just a little bit about Milligan. We are a Christian uh, university in Johnson City, Tennessee. And so I bring you greetings from there. And certainly we are training people to work in churches and be on the mission field as vocational ministers. Ministers, but we've also also always believed that we need Christian doctors and lawyers and teachers and engineers and occupational therapists. And so we uh, have a lot of different offerings that are taught from a Christian perspective and how you can use that uh, as a ministry. And uh, that fits very well with what I'm going to talk about today, uh, because what I'd like to talk about today are some principles of ministry. But before we get into that, uh, I want to pray for us and then we'll uh, begin. God, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for this church. Uh, thank you for uh, the vision that they have to not only uh, minister in this area and this community, but to also uh, support so many missions across the country and across the world uh, that are making a difference in the lives of people. And we are grateful to be one of those and uh, so thankful for their partnership. And uh, God, I thank you right now for the opportunity that we have to look in your word and uh, hopefully be challenged. And I pray that you would speak through me and that you would do the challenging and uh, that you would do the encouraging and that you would spur us to, to leave here and uh, be more interested and more uh, intentional about doing ministry. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, so I'm going to use the uh, miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 today. Uh, many of you have probably heard that, uh, but we're going to uh, read that in just a minute. But let me give you a little backdrop uh, on these principles of ministry before I get into that. Uh, I want to say quickly, these are five principles of ministry, not the only principles of ministry. Uh, and I think that all these principles of ministry uh, are applicable to any of us who claim the name of Christ. Not just people that do ministry vocationally, not people that just work in a church and get paid, that's great, but all of us, all of us that claim the name of Christ have an opportunity and I think an obligation to minister. And God chooses to use each and every one of us. So I am speaking to all of us in here today. Uh, if you do not yet know Christ and you're in here today, you're in a great place and uh, you just heard a wonderful uh, presentation of the gospel by Sean up here during communion time, and uh, I hope that you see a little bit more of who Jesus is from this today, and that perhaps you would uh, realize that that's a, a direction that maybe your life needs to take. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, I want us to look at this miracle of Jesus. Uh, with the exception of the resurrection of Jesus himself, I think this is the only miracle that occurs in all four of the Gospels, uh, which is significant. You can find it in Mark 6 or Luke 9 or John 6, but today we're going to use Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. And I want to read that to begin with, and we'll refer back to that several times throughout. It says this, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go to the villages and buy food for themselves. And Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. 
And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So we have this fascinating passage of Scripture, uh, and I want to look at some of the ministry principles that we might be able to learn uh, for us. But I want to start with the context really quickly. This passage starts out by saying, Now when Jesus heard this... What is it that Jesus heard? If you look back at the verses right before that, the context is Jesus has just found out that John the Baptist has been killed. John the Baptist is his cousin. John the Baptist is a a dear friend. John the Baptist is the one that paved the way for Jesus to come. Very important person. And he has just found out that John has been beheaded, has been killed. And I'm sure Jesus had a heavy heart. And it tells us that when he had heard that, he withdrew away by himself. He was going to spend time by himself. But a crowd came, and Jesus didn't just push the crowd away. He, he pushed God where he was at and began to teach the crowd. And I think that's significant to keep in mind as a backdrop for today. And so I have five uh, uh, principles of ministry today that I think are important to all of us. Uh, the first principle of ministry is this, that ministry is a privilege or a gift, Ministry is a privilege or a gift. And by that I mean this. If you look at the disciples, the disciples uh, by themselves could not perform this miracle, by themselves could not uh, make the difference that Jesus did. And Jesus didn't even necessarily need the disciples. He could have done this all by himself and, and it would have been fine. But he chose to involve his disciples in ministry. And I think that's significant. He knew that there was going to be a time that he was not going to be with them physically that they would have the Holy Spirit, certainly, but that he would not be there with them. And I think he's given them a taste of what ministry looks like. He's given them a taste of what caring for people looks like. And I think that's important for them because they would be doing ministry without his physical presence, not too far down the line. And for us, I look at that, and I think that's significant for us to realize as well, that God has chosen to do his work and his ministry through his people. He doesn't necessarily need us to do that, but he's chosen to do that. He's chosen to carry out his work in this world, this redeeming work through you and through me in all the areas that we meet people, in our jobs, in our communities, in our families. He gives us opportunity to be a part of sharing the gospel, the good news that Jesus came and lived a life to teach us how to live, that Jesus came and sacrificed his own life to die on a cross so that we could be forgiven of sins and have eternal life in heaven. Jesus has given us the opportunity to share that good news with other people. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus in this world. And that's a privilege. That is a gift to be a part of that. And when I think about that, I think back to my childhood. Uh, When I was a kid, uh, my dad, he's still alive. He's in his late 70s, and uh, uh, he's always been a great woodworker, um, mostly just for fun and, and things around the house, but he's always been really gifted at it. And when I was a kid, my dad used to invite me to come and help him with some of his projects, some of his woodworking. Uh, and as a kid, I actually thought my dad needed my help. 
As I grew, I realized my dad didn't need my help. In fact, he would have been able to do the job a lot better, a lot quicker, a lot more efficiently without me there bending nails over and hitting him in the thumb and marring up the wood with a hammer. He could have done the job without me, and he could have done a better job without me. He didn't need me there. But my dad wanted me there. He wanted to spend time with me. He wanted to work on that relationship with me. And he wanted to teach me some basic things that I might need sometime in life. And I'm no great woodworker, but I can do plenty to get by uh, because my dad taught me those skills. And I think it's a very similar thing here, that we are given the privilege and the honor and the gift to work alongside Jesus Christ in his redeeming work. And we need to realize that that is a privilege. And I know for me, I did youth ministry 21 years in the local church, and is that I approached ministry as a privilege and a gift were the best days in ministry, and the days that I approached ministry as a job or a task were the worst days in ministry for me. And so we need to realize that it is a privilege to serve alongside our Lord and Savior, and it's a privilege to be involved in the ministry. And that changes our view of ministry. That changes our view of those opportunities when we realize what a privilege it is to be a part of that. So the first ministry uh, principle is ministry is a privilege or a gift. The second principle of ministry I want to share with you today comes from verses 14 and 15. Let me read those again. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them and cured their sick. And when the evening came, the disciples said to him, This is a deserted place. The hour is late. Send the crowds away so that they may go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Um, ministry begins with compassion. That's the second principle of ministry. Ministry begins with compassion. And we see here the compassion of Jesus. First and foremost, we see the compassion of Jesus in that he chose to minister to these people even though he was grieving the loss of John the Baptist, his friend, his cousin. Uh, he had just got that news and he went to be by himself, but a crowd appeared and he had enough compassion on that crowd to put himself aside and go and minister to them. And not only that, it says that when he saw him, saw them, he says he has compassion on them and he cured the sick. And then he goes on, and I think it is also an act of compassion that Jesus wants to feed these people. They've been there. They, they took the time to get there. They listened to him. They were, they were paying attention to what he was teaching. And Jesus wanted to meet the basic need of hunger. And it doesn't appear as if this is a life or death hunger situation. Uh, the disciples say, send them on to their own villages and let them buy their own food. doesn't seem like they're going to die without food here. And so Jesus is just compassionate enough to meet the basic needs of food for these people who have been there with him. And as I look at Jesus and look at this word compassion, it carries a lot of meaning. This word in the Greek language for compassion is this great word, splontnizomai, a uh, fun word to say, and it carries with it the, a really interesting connotation. The compassion is not just feeling sorry for somebody. It's not just looking at someone and saying, ah, I hate that's going on in their life and moving on. Splontnizomai is actually means a yearning from the bowels, a yearning from deep within us. And compassion is this thing that when we see a need, that we are so moved that we can't just pass by. We have to do something to help people. That's what compassion is. It wells up deep within us. And that's what Jesus had. 
And, and I look at Jesus' life beyond this passage, and all throughout his life, Jesus was compassionate towards people. I think of Luke chapter 5, when he is met by a man with leprosy. It tells us in Luke chapter 5, once when Jesus was in one of the cities, a man covered with leprosy was there. And when he saw Jesus, he bowed down his face to the ground and begged, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus stretched out his hand, touched the man and said, I am willing be made clean. And immediately the skin disease left him. Now it's easy for us to look at that passage there and see the compassion of Jesus to heal this man's physical problem. But I think what we often miss is what Jesus does before he heals him physically. It tells us that Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Now why is that important? Because leprosy in that time was this horrible skin disease and people were scared to death of it. And if you had leprosy, you were cast out of your society. You were sent to live in a leper colony with other lepers. People did not want to be around you. People did not want to touch you. They had nothing to do with you. You were ostracized. If you happened to be walking toward town, you had to yell out that you were unclean so that people could avoid you and change directions and go away from you. It was a terrible, horrible, lonely life to live as someone with leprosy. And most people didn't care for them at all, and most never would have touched them. And so I think it's significant that the first act of uh, compassion that Jesus has on this man is he reaches out and touches him. And that had to be a healing moment for this man emotionally, uh, socially, in so many different ways. And then he goes on to heal this man's physical problems. And so we see this, this compassion in Jesus all throughout Scripture and a compassion that led Jesus to the cross to die for us and for our sins. That's the ultimate show of his compassion. And so ministry begins with compassion. If we're not compassionate about people, we're not likely to do ministry. We're not likely to help them. If we don't have that welling up inside of us, we're not likely to do a whole lot. And so I think compassion is one of those things that we learn from Jesus. We learn from spending time with Jesus. We learn from time in Scripture. And I think it's one of those things that maybe we should wake up each day and pray that God would teach us to be compassionate, that God would give us an opportunity to be compassionate today. So we have the first principle of ministry is ministry is a privilege. Second is ministry begins with compassion. The third principle of ministry I want to share with you today uh, is that ministry is beyond our ability and our power to accomplish. And we look here in this passage, and uh, Jesus gives the disciples a, a task that is humanly impossible, that they cannot do by themselves. He wants them to feed 5,000 people, not including women and children. So 5,000 plus, however many women and children are there. He wants to feed them, which sounds crazy to begin with to them. But the only thing they have are two fish and five loaves of bread. Not even enough to feed the disciples themselves. And Jesus says, don't send them home to get their own food. You feed them. He says, you to the disciples, feed them. Humanly impossible task. There's no way that they could carry that out. And they realize that. And when I look at that, I think it really sums up the fullness of ministry. That really the, the fullness of what ministry is, is not something that we're capable of on our own. It's not something that our abilities are enough for, that, that our power is enough for. And sometimes I think that that causes us to shy away from ministry. 
Uh, it reminds me of John chapter 15, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And in that, John 15, uh, chapter, chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus is using this, uh, this idea of a, a, a vine and branches and, and grapes and fruit uh, to talk a little bit about ministry. And he says this, I'm the vine, so Jesus is the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And in that passage, Jesus over and over again talks about the importance of abiding in him and the importance of bearing fruit, but he makes it very clear that if a branch is not connected to the vine, the vine that goes down into the ground and has the nutrients and, and the life-giving sustenance, uh, if that branch is torn off and just laying on the ground somewhere, it's not going to bear fruit. It doesn't have the power of the vine. It doesn't have the power of Jesus working through it. And for us, we are the branches. And so many times we try to do ministry on our own power and with our own abilities. And we're a lot like that, that branch laying over there on the ground. We don't see a lot of fruit born because we're trying to do it ourselves. And so it's interesting and important to know that ministry in its fullest is very difficult for us to do. It's beyond our abilities and power to accomplish. But the good news is this, and this brings us to principle four, that if God's going to give us something that's bigger than us, that we can't do on our own power, that we cannot fulfill ourselves, then it stands to reason that God is going to provide His power to accomplish ministry. And I think that's of great significance today, that it is God's power. It's the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us to do ministry. And back in John 15, we are told that if we remain connected to the vine, that we will bear fruit. Fruit will be born in us, because not because of us, but because of the vine, because of Jesus. And that's important for us to get. And it reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Uh, in, in these passages, we find that the Corinthian church is having some difficulties. They've started to divide themselves a little bit over whether or not they're going to follow Paul or whether they're going to follow Apollos. And they're starting to kind of separate themselves and focus on their human leaders. And Paul kind of squelches that pretty quickly. He says this, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives growth. And to me that fits perfectly with John 15, and it's such an encouraging thing to realize that our job is to plant seeds to plant the seeds of the gospel in the lives of people that we come into contact with. Our job is to water and nurture those and encourage people and disciple people. But the growth and the fruit and the difference made in their life comes from God, comes from the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. And it's His power that accomplishes those things. And that's such an encouragement to me, to be honest with you takes a burden off of me. If it's up to me to make someone uh, give their life to Christ, if it's up to me to convict someone, that's a tough thing to put on somebody's shoulders. And that's not our job. Our job is to be faithful in loving people, sharing the gospel, planting seeds, encouraging, nurturing, praying, and let God do God's work, which is to bring growth in the lives of people. And that leads me to the fifth and final principle of ministry today that I think we need to learn. Uh, and that's this, that God will provide his resources 
and his results. And if we look uh, at verses 20 and 21, uh, after he has them sit down, Jesus takes uh, the loaves and he lifts them up into, to, he looks up to heaven and he lifts them and he blesses them and he gives them to the disciples. And he continues to give them to the disciples. And he gives them and gives them and gives them to the disciples. And it tells us that all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So Jesus provides his resources, first of all. And here his resources made no sense from a human standpoint. His resources were two fish and five loaves of bread to feed 5,000 plus people. And to the disciples, that was not enough. And it wasn't enough for them. But for Jesus, it was plenty. And I think we learned something from that. Uh, whatever we have to offer is plenty because of Jesus. And too many times, we shy away from doing ministry. We shy away from sharing the gospel because we don't think I'm smart enough. Or maybe I'm not uh, educated enough. Maybe I'm not gifted enough. Maybe I don't have the right abilities. Maybe I don't have enough time. Maybe I don't have enough money. We come up with all these not enoughs for why we don't do ministry. And I'm here to tell you today that there is no such thing as not enough when it comes to God. He can take whatever it is that we have to offer that we're willing to give, and He can take that and multiply that and do amazing things with it in the lives of people. And not only does He provide His resources, He also provides His results. And His results are far greater than any results that we could ever generate ourselves. And here, the results are people were fed. Not just a crumb, not just a little tiny piece. They were fed until they were filled, it says. And then there was 12 baskets full left over. Abundance. We know that God's a God of abundance. And I have to think, and I don't know, but I feel like there's some correlation between 12 baskets full left over and his 12 followers having to see that God, uh, just the power of who God is, the power of who Jesus is, uh, and what that abundance looks like. But it's not just that. That's the results. The results are also uh, that Jesus was, uh, was magnified and was glorified in that. And we learn in John chapter 6, in John's account, that people saw this miracle of Jesus and realized who Jesus was. Surely this is the prophet that is sent to us. And so they, they recognized who Jesus was. He received honor and glory. And when it's all said and done, Whatever ministry we're a part of, the end result should never be our honor and our glory, but should always be the honor and glory of God. And I think that that's what He does through us. And so today, I just want you to hear those things. I want you to understand that you are gifted in ways by God that He can use to make a difference in the lives of people. And you have opportunities to meet people and share the gospel with people that others in this church will not have the opportunity to. You have people in your workplaces, in your communities, in your families that the staff here, as wonderful as they are, may never have the opportunity to share the gospel with. But you do. And God can use you if you will just allow him to do so. And so those principles on ministry, I, I hope, are encouraging to you today. My prayer is that they would motivate you to go and to take advantage of and be intentional about that privilege to serve alongside your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to let him work through you to do the good work of ministry. And that will do amazing things in this community, amazing things in this church, and amazing things throughout this world. Let me pray for us, and uh, then Joel will come and close us out. 
God, thank you for this day and for your word that is powerful, uh, that is so deep and teaches us so many different things. And I thank you for this passage where we see uh, a great miracle, that we see your power in Jesus. But God, I thank you that Jesus involved his followers, that he uh, chose to give them a part in ministry, and that you have chosen to give us a part in ministry as well. God, I pray that we would... uh, Consider that a privilege and a gift to do so, and I pray that we would not be scared or hesitant uh, to be a part of ministry because we know that it's not our power or our abilities, but yours that make the difference. And God, I just pray that you would use us for your glory, that you would use us to share uh, the love of Christ with uh, our friends and family and co-workers and, and people that we come into contact with, that more may know who you are and come into a relationship with you. God, I thank you so much for all that you do for us. In your name we pray. Amen.